Well, good morning, everyone at Community Church Putney. Uh, my name is Nev, and I'm one of the pastors of the church here. And I'm so sorry I couldn't actually be with you in person today. Um, but I do trust that God can and will uh, still be able to continue to speak to us through his word right now. And uh, what we're going to be doing this morning is we're going to continue our series going through the book of 1 Corinthians as we've been doing in previous weeks. And I suggest that you have a Bible in front of you. I'm going to be speaking mostly from the NIV. Um, so you could use that translation if you're able to. And uh, we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So you might want to find your way to that passage um, just to get it ready. And uh, in our passage today, we're going to be reading that no one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Now, I love eating. Hands up if you like eating. Okay, I'm assuming there's a lot of hands up right now. I love eating and um, I have a weakness in that if I'm ever at some kind of buffet, uh, like a, a wedding or, or a church lunch that we sometimes do where there's buffet food laid out, my, my natural tendency is to panic a little bit inside. Um, I wouldn't show it on the outside, but I think, I need to get up there quick because I, I need to load up my plate. I need to make sure I get one of everything before all the good stuff goes. And so my natural tendency is to want to be the, one of the first up there, load my plate up high and think, great, I'm sorted. And even if there's not seconds, I've, I've got everything I need. Now, that's perhaps just me and uh, I need to work on that. Um, but on the flip side of this, it, as I was thinking about that example, um, I was reminded of a wedding I went to a number of years ago. And the couple, they used to go to this church, uh, th there was a big buffet and they sent up the tables one by one and our table went up, all the other tables went, we collected our food from this wonderful buffet and obviously the food's getting less and less and less. And then it was only towards the end that I realised as I was kind of finishing off my food really, I looked up and I saw that the bride and groom were there at the very back of the queue they had decided that they would allow everyone else to go first. And um, this was just an example of the kind of people that they were and still are. They're just such humble, kind people. And their desire was that they wanted to see everyone else eat first. And for them to see and know that everyone had, uh, had a good meal in front of them was, was um, satisfying to them. And, and it really moved me and challenged me. I thought, wow, I'm, I'm definitely not like that. And um, I think it's uh, something we can all tend to be like. We can all have this natural desire to want to seek our own desires first, to seek the good of ourselves first, be it wanting to get in a queue first in front of that other person before they get there, or um, perhaps when we're in conversation with others, our desire is to first, we want to talk about ourselves and what's going on in our lives before we ask about what's going on in someone else's life, or perhaps we want to ensure our own financial security in life, or we want to make sure that we're all sorted for our holidays, or our Christmas day gathering, we want to make sure that we're sorted and we're with the people we want to be with and we're not alone, before thinking about perhaps others that might be spending occasions like that by themselves. 
or we can tend to seek our own progress in a work team, a work environment, whilst perhaps we're not really aware or, of or helping others in our team who might be struggling in their job or their task or their specific role. And, you know, we can be those that naturally just want to seek to have power and control over all aspects of our lives. And, and this issue isn't new. It goes back to the beginning of creation. We see it in the story of Adam and Eve, don't we, when they sought their own good. You know, they said, if, if we eat this forbidden fruit, we can be like God. It will bring us all these benefits. How can we seek our own good through doing this? But I want you to just think for a moment of the difference if we were to seek the good of others before seeking our own good first. For example, we allow that person to go before us in the queue or we start by asking what's going on in someone else's life before we want to tell them about what's going on in our lives. Or we share our money with someone else. Or we think about whether we could help someone who is exhausted and in need of a holiday but just doesn't know how to perhaps or is not good at sorting themselves out. How could we help them to book themselves a holiday and have some rest before we think about doing that for ourselves? Or maybe we're aware of thinking of others in our work team who might be struggling in need of our help and we give them help before we then get on with our roles. Or we let others go to the buffet table before us. In all these things, in these positive examples that I just shared, we bring glory to God. We bring glory to God when we seek the good of others. And that's really the point we're going to be exploring in the next few moments as we look through our passage for today. But let's just pray right now. Let's just take a moment to ask the Holy Spirit to come and to instruct our hearts as we read his word and think about the things that we're going to talk about. So Father God, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are present right now in the building or wherever people are watching this from now and listening to this message. Lord God, I ask Holy Spirit that you would um, shape us, teach us through your word. There is great power in your word. And Lord God, we trust in you and we ask you to be with us now. Amen. All right, so let's read together. Um, and we're going to be, as I said, looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So last week, Matt looked at the first part of this chapter and about how we are to be those that set our hearts on Jesus. And really, we're continuing that theme as we go through the rest of this chapter today. So, um, yeah, let's look at it. 1 Corinthians 10, chapter 14. And it says this, Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. So just pause there. 
what is Paul doing here? What is he saying? Well, he's, he's um, reminding the Corinthian church of their unity in Christ. In verse 17, he says, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. The sacrifice of Christ on their behalf has united them together. He's encouraging them to say, come on, let's all remind ourselves, brothers and sisters, of the great good that we have received from Jesus as we take this bread and this wine together. And I wonder for you today, for us, do we recognise how the participation in the taking of bread and wine reminds us of how he has united us as one body, as one people? We're not to be a fragmented group of believers, but we're to be one as the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are one. And what Paul's doing in these initial verses is he's showing how sharing in communion together is an excellent way of also combating idolatry, which was a very real issue and still is today in many ways. The things that are fighting for priority over people's lives um, you know, instead of the place of Christ being number one, other things are fighting for that priority. So through communion, there's a sense of actively showing and saying, Jesus, I remember you and I remember that you come first. All right, let's continue from verse 18 through to verse 22 now. It says this, Consider the people of Israel. Do not those who eat the sacrifices, participate in the altar? Do I mean then that food sacrificed to an idol is anything or that an idol is anything? No, but the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to be participants with the demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. Are we trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy? Are we stronger than he? So here in this next section, Paul is showing the Corinthians how throughout the history of God's people, sacrifices uh, were made um, on God's altar to God. And through these sacrifices, people were entering into an action with God. On the flip side, there were those who offered sacrifices to idols. And Paul is saying that sacrifices to idols were nothing because what's an idol but a nothing or worse than a nothing, a demon. But Paul warns them here about a kind of a, a dualism. That is to say, you know, you can't have it both ways. Banqueting at the master's table with him one day and then slumming with demons the next, as Eugene Peterson puts it in his paraphrase of the Bible. Okay, let's move on to the next section now. So verse 23 through to the end of the chapter. And in the NLV it's entitled The Believer's Freedom, this section. So it goes on to say this, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. 
eat anything that is sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience, for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever is put before you without raising questions of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it, both for the sake of the one who told you and for the sake of conscience. I'm referring to the person's conscience, not yours. For why is my freedom being judged by another's conscience? If I take part in the meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of something I thank God for? So, whether you eat or you drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks or the Church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. So, what Paul is saying here is that those who are Christians have a newfound freedom in Christ. God's children are able to eat and enjoy any food set before them and can do so in a way that brings glory to God. But what about if this food has been prepared, that has been prepared as, uh, been prepared as part of an offering to a false god or an idol? Again, this isn't an issue for a Christian, as Jesus himself has said in Matthew 15, verse 11. He says, whatever goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. The only issue arise, that arises is um, when, say for example, a dinner host might present you, or present one of the Corinthians in this case, with a meal and then they go out of their way to tell you that it was sacrificed to God or goddess so-and-so. In that instance, Paul is saying that you should pass. And even though you may be indifferent as to where it came from, your host isn't and you don't want to send mixed messages to them about who you are worshipping. So Paul is... He's encouraging the Corinthians to walk with good conscience before God and wherever they can to seek the good of others, helping them not to stumble and ensuring that they themselves are not a stumbling block to them by way of others wanting to or possibly coming to faith in Jesus. Okay, so... At the beginning of this message, I drew our attention to verse 24 of this passage, which says, No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. No one should seek their own good, but the good of? The good of? I know I'm not really there, but you can still join in. Yes, no one should seek their own good, but the good of others. I believe that this is a good summary of the passage we're looking at today because we, like the Corinthians, we have a great deal of freedom in Christ. However, we are to be mindful of others. Our desire should be to seek their good and in doing so, we bring glory to God. You see, we bring glory to God when we seek the good of others. And this hangs on the greatest commandments Jesus pointed to when a teacher of the law once asked him and said, 
of all the commandments, which is the most important? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbour as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. No commandment greater. You see, Jesus puts those two together. He says, number one, love God. Number two, love your neighbour. So closely following the commands to love God as number one, we see this instruction to then love ourselves, seek the good of ourselves. No, we see the next instruction to seek the good of others, to love your neighbour, to seek the good of others before yourself. The message puts it like this, the verse 1 Corinthians 10.24 that we've been looking at. We want to live well, but our foremost efforts should be to help others live well. See, we want to live well, of course. We should want to live well. That, Paul's not saying we shouldn't want to live well, but our foremost efforts should be to help others to live well, to seek the good of others. So, if we want to apply this passage and today's teaching to our own lives and put this teaching into practice, it will be helpful to be really clear on what seeking the good of others means. You see, I mentioned some examples earlier, such as allowing someone to go before you in a queue or helping a colleague who's struggling at work. Now, as good as those things are, it can't just be about that for us as Christ followers. Actions like that in and of themselves don't set us apart from the rest of the world. There are many people who don't follow Christ who are doing wonderful amounts of good for others. So what then does it mean as a Christian to seek the good of others? Well, let's look at some words of Jesus again in John chapter 13, verse 34 to 35. Jesus says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another by this, Everyone say, by this, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Our love for one another should be deep, should be rich, should be rooted in the love of God. And our seeking the good of others should have the ultimate aim of, you know, through this good that I'm doing to this person, my goal is to point this person, be it a brother or sister in Christ or a non-believer, to point them to the goodness of God. My goal should be to point them to the goodness of God through the good I'm seeking to do to them. Again, I bring us back to this main point that is this, we bring glory to God when we seek the good of others. I heard a wonderful example of this recently um, a Christian lady's husband had died recently and amidst all the grief and the hurt and the loss she was experiencing for uh, the loss of her husband, she also had a great concern when she was organising the funeral about how she could ensure that the people attending would clearly hear the gospel message. 
She saw it as such an opportunity for those that didn't know Jesus. And in this moment, she wasn't seeking the good of herself. She was seeking the good of others. She was seeking their eternal good, wanting through this tragic loss of her own to draw their attention to the assurance of salvation that her husband had because, and has because he's a Christian and that they have the opportunity themselves to receive that gift of forgiveness through faith in Jesus. I mean, what a great and wonderful example of how doing something that brings glory to God, of showing and seeking the good of others for God's glory. It's a goodness that clearly demonstrates the love of God. And when we are seeking the good of others, we should be asking ourselves whether or not they will know of God's love through the good that we are seeking for them. And that's why it's very appropriate, actually, to accompany our actions with words. You know, sometimes it can be said, well, we just show actions and they will see Jesus. But, yeah, that can be true, but it's helpful also to speak of what we're doing and why. For example, it might be here, I baked these cakes for you. And the person receiving them, a neighbor, whoever it is, might say, why? Well, because I felt prompted by God to do so. You see, God has freely given so much to me, I wanted to express my thanks to God by showing the kind of love he has shown me to others, such as yourself. So here you go, a free gift, some cakes. And in that moment, that conversation might end there, or it could lead on to opening up a, a conversation further about the grace of God. But whatever happens in that moment, through that action and those words, great glory has been brought to God as the goodness of someone has been sought. And so that's why it's helpful to seek the good of others. That word seek in verse 24. But what does it mean to seek? The good of others. How do we seek it? Well, we can seek someone else's good by inviting the Holy Spirit to help us. For example, you might pray, you might say, Holy Spirit, please show me how I can do good to that person and give me the wisdom on how to help them to see that the good I'm showing them ultimately comes from you. And the Holy Spirit may respond to you in that moment and he may prompt you to ask the person in question something such as how is your relationship with your family so the holy spirit has prompted you to say so you go up to them and say i'm just wondering how is your relationship with your family which may really do them good because that person perhaps is currently going through a really difficult family situation and to be able to offload and talk with someone about it will do them a great deal of good. But then we go a step further and we ensure that we know the reason for this helpful conversation was because it came from a prompting of the Holy Spirit, a prompting of God. And then we could go on to say in that conversation, okay, well, do you know what? I believe that God is the one we can turn to for help in situations like these. Would I be able to pray for you now about your situation with your family? And you might find that opens up a wonderful opportunity to pray together with that person. You see, Paul wanted the Corinthians to be those who were seeking the good of others. 
And likewise, we're to be those that are always thinking, one, how does this person need goodness shown to them? And two, how will they know the good I am seeking for them flows from the love of God for them working through me? Another example, based on the text we're looking at today, could be this, that maybe a friend invites you out for the evening and you go with them to, uh, say, a pub for dinner. And that's fine. You go there in good conscience. You can go there. You can uh, have some food, have a drink. And then as the night goes on, they note, your friend notices there's an arcade machine in this pub, you know, to play a game. They say, well, should we come go and play a game together, put some money in? You're like, sure, why not, you know? Um, so you go and you play on this game together. And then after that, they notice that there's a slot machine. And they talk to you about, oh, I love slot machines. And I love how great it is that um, it's a way of us getting more money. Because we need money, don't we? That's why I play the lottery. And um, I, I want to... I want to play every week because hopefully one day the miracle will come and I'll receive the money and it will solve all my problems because, you know, money's so important. So imagine they've said all this to you in that moment. That's where you might find your conscience tells you not to play on that slot machine, not to put some money in, not because the machine is anything like an idol. It's nothing. It has no power over you. But because of the confusion of what it could communicate, if you were seen to be agreeing with their desire to put trust in money and in the sense of money being the ultimate source of fulfillment in someone's life. And so there you might find there's an opportunity for you to seek their good by turning your conversation to Christ. And you might go on to say, well, actually, do you know what? I trust in Christ to meet all my needs. Um, it might not mean I'm rolling in it money-wise, I, I may never be like a lottery winner in that sense, but I depend on and I trust in the goodness of my Heavenly Father to meet my needs, including financial ones. And so do you know what, I, I don't actually need to play this and try and win some money, but you know, it's your choice whether you want to play now. And so we have these opportunities, but we've got to be clear and wise, and that's why we need the Holy Spirit in those moments as well, to help us, give us that wisdom on how to deal with situations when they arise. But we can also be prepared as well in advance. So how are you doing at seeking the good of others in different contexts and situations? Is it your desire to be actively seeking the good of others each week with your underlying aim of bringing worship and glory and honour to God through it? Because that is actually why we should be doing it. Because we bring glory to God when we seek the good of others. And you know what? It's not just about doing it in our own strength. I don't want people to go away this morning just with a, a heavy feeling, thinking, oh, I'm going away now from this morning's message, feeling heavier and weighed down because I'm not doing enough and I, I need to do more. I should be doing all these things. No, in fact, we should be, all be feeling encouraged because Jesus is the ultimate example of someone who has sought our eternal good. We have been richly blessed through, through the good that Jesus has done for us. Our seeking the good of others 
should actually be a fruit and an overflow of the power of God at work within us. It should be something that we're trying to muster up to do. You see, if you're feeling right now, perhaps, more like Martha, and you're feeling, oh, I'm tired with all this work and this busyness I'm doing, and all this stuff I have to do, then I suggest you need to look at Mary and her example and return to sit at the feet of Jesus. You see, we need to start by, number one, seeking God bringing ourselves to Jesus. This is what Jesus said, that's why he put these two commandments in that order. Number one, love the Lord your God. You first, you love him, you seek him, you go to him, you receive from him. And then number two, love others and go out and do the works. As a result, an overflow, a fruit of the good and the goodness of God. You see, we're seeking the good of others, not because we have to earn something before God or because we feel that's something we have to do. We do it to bring glory to God. We do it as a joyful response of what God has done already for us. We are to be those that are drawing strength from God. How are you doing at drawing strength from God each week, each day? We need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit on a daily basis the one who causes the fruit of the Spirit to grow in us, that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. He's the one that causes those things to grow in us. And we need him. And do you know what? I would encourage you all. It's been wonderful in the last few weeks. We've been having these together evenings every Tuesday at the building from 7 o'clock, uh, starting at 7.30 after a bit of food if you want it. The focus of these times has been for us as a church to come together, like we saw in the text, we are one body like the one loaf, we are joined, we are united in Christ. We want to remind ourselves that we're united in Christ as we come together on these Tuesday nights and with a focus of learning again about the person of the Holy Spirit and how he uh, empowers us and enables us to live the life that we are called to live for Christ. It should be a joyful experience, not a burden. And I want to encourage you uh, to continue coming if you've been coming. And if you haven't been able to come yet for any reason, then you can start coming this week. That's fine. You can just join right in and you can even catch up on the previous sessions which are on video. You can email the office and they'll give you the link to the previous videos. But come along. Don't miss out. Let's seek God together. Let's seek his presence. Let's seek the Holy Spirit to enable us, to equip us, to be those that glorify God and to be those that seek the good of others to bring him glory. So I want to invite the band to come up if they're not already up on stage um, because we're going to, you're going to worship now. I'll be worshipping too. And um, Let's just spend some time now singing to God. Let's go back to that number one, that number one that Jesus says, the greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart. And this starts with us declaring truth about God, of responding in faith. If you're not feeling full of faith, then come to Jesus right now. What a great opportunity as we worship him together. So I want to pray for us. I encourage you to stand let's close our eyes. You might want to hold your hands out if you feel comfortable to do so. That's just a way of us physically saying, God, I'm open to you being at work in my life. Oh, Father God, Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, we, we love you. We look to you. We thank you that you're the one that has 
saved us, you've redeemed us, you have sought the good of us, Jesus. You came down into this earth to seek and save the lost. You came to die for our sin so that we could be forgiven and reconciled to God. Thank you, Jesus, that you have done that for us so that we didn't have to. And now we accept this gift of faith again and we say, Lord Jesus, we love you. Help us to be those that love others and express and glorify you, Lord God, with our lives in the way that we live each and every day. We love you, Lord Jesus, and we worship you now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's worship together. <laughs>